homecoming, coming out party, whatever you want to call yesterday's route by Illinois over Wisconsin, 34 to 10 over the Badgers. You'd be right to call it that. It's a game that we feel like we haven't seen from Illinois in quite a while, and he knows a lot about those types of games. Robert Rosenthal from IlliniBoard.com. Robert, first of all, yeah. How are you feeling today? I'm I'm in a I'm in a decent mood. I'm I'm pretty good, you know. As as the crazed Illini football fan, I've been to so many road losses and so many, you know, like no chance after the first quarter games. So to have a game like that where it's I mean, it's over in the third quarter. That's just, uh, you know, it's hard to adjust to. Well, I think we got to start with the emotional elements of the game that I think Brett Bielema returning to Madison, the place where he went to three Rose Bowls, he won 68 games over seven years, ended unceremoniously, and he was kind of downplaying the fact that he was making his return to the opposing sideline for the first time. Mm -hmm. What did you make of all that and how he was able to, you know, contain those emotions and come out the victor? You know, he talked like he didn't, like it wasn't a thing, you know, this is game five, opportunity five, you know, revenge game two or whatever they're calling it, you know, the... They have a chance to avenge seven losses from last year. So they stay in that groove. But it had to be something different, especially since his wife showed up to surprise him with the girls on the field. You know, this had to be quite an emotional day. You know, the emotion-wise, for me, you know, staying in a hotel in Madison, you know, I get, on, I, get on the, I get on the elevator this morning with a guy in a Packers hat and a guy in a Wisconsin shirt. They both want to talk about the game. Yeah. And both were saying, look, I hated it when he left, and I called him a traitor and this and that. Man, I wish roles were – I wish he was on our sideline yesterday. You know, the, the fans were like, if that's what the football looks like at Illinois, I want that back at Wisconsin because we don't see that right now. So that's the – that's kind of the crazy thing about all of it is that the brand of football that Wisconsin has been known for, defense, running game, it's happening in Champaign and not in Madison right now, and that drove those fans insane. Is that – game that we saw yesterday a turning point for Illinois and you you look at some of the tweets by the players Chase Brown saying that it wasn't an upset technically it was mm -hmm. Wisconsin was favored in this one but I know where they're coming from they felt like they were the better team is this a mark in Brett Bielema's tenure as head coach at Illinois I mean I think it definitely is for who it was beating and how you beat them that that's definitely a the tides have shifted the you know, something's different now, that kind of thing. We're also, what, fifth game of second season. Mm -hmm. We've seen coaches be really good initially and be bad later. We've seen coaches be really bad initially and good later. You know, it happens all over the country that, you know, people think the program is built. It's not. People want the coach run out of town after two years, and he stays for 20. So, you know, big picture, there's still a lot to learn. There's still this. Uh, smaller picture, some friends and I were talking about this last night. You know, there's the Wisconsin win for Brad Underwood at Wisconsin, middle of his third year. Io DeSumo hits the jumper over Brad Davidson. Illinois wins, I think, 71 70. And from that moment forward, the program took off. And not only was it beating Wisconsin, where you'd always gone to lose at the Kohl Center, but it was your, you have this star guard who can hit shots. And that was. That was the trigger. That was the shift for Illinois basketball. This could be the same thing. We could look back at this game in the same way we view that game for Brad Underwood of saying, like, that was the moment up in Madison where things changed. Let's talk some of the performance aspects of the game now. I think we got to start with the defense. 
really all over the place yesterday. Two interceptions, both coming in the first half. And at big points, Kendall Smith, uh, the bounce back from Devin Witherspoon, and then Taz Nicholson as Mertz was trying to escape and make a play happen. And then, of course, that front seven. And, you know, I'd include the, the secondary as well, playing a part in holding Wisconsin to two yards rushing on the game. Just Robert, what stuck out to you about that defensive performance? I mean, the hardest thing to understand about the defense, I mean, they just played Ohio State. They just put up 182 yards rushing on Ohio State's defense. Mm -hmm. So, yes, Wisconsin isn't Wisconsin this year. They're struggling to find their identity. But they were rushing for at least 150, 170, sometimes almost 300 yards rushing in each game. To be held to two, it's – I don't know how to contextualize that. How do you even say that? You know, if they held them to 73 yards rushing, you're like, wow, that's a good performance. Two is this like, hold on, wait. What? It doesn't seem real. Right. What do you do with that information? Again, talking to Wisconsin fans last night in Madison, it was the same like, like we're Wisconsin. You're not Wisconsin. We're Wisconsin. Yeah. You're doing our thing. Like yeah. that's our stuff, you know? And so it's re it, it, that's the whole picture here is how it's really strange that the Wisconsin brand of football is working in Champaign. And on offense, Chase Brown slowed down a bit in that first half, and then he had that 49-yard rush at the end and kind of capped things off. Uh, still got over 130 yards on the day. Still the nation's leading rusher, but he only had one touchdown. The other three on the ground came from Tommy DeVito. Said he's never had three rushing touchdowns in a game in his entire life. Mm -hmm. It just so happened that that was working at the goal line. They kept getting to the one-yard line, and... Hey, it kept it was working let's run it again and you know I think that shows a sign of growth from Barry Lunny from maybe what we saw against Indiana earlier in the year where get points however you can get them and if it's a if it's QB sneak up the middle and that works it's still six points yeah it's somebody either tweeted me or texted me this information that you know because of the sacks I think DeVito had minus two rushing That's yards right. yeah so Wisconsin has two rushing yards DeVito has minus two rushing yards but three touchdowns yeah. so it's it's crazy right you know it's it's hard to uh you know a lot of fans I think have embraced that like hey if there would have been a QB sneak instead of those shotgun runs to uh, Chase Brown at Indiana, like you just mentioned, maybe this is a 5-0 and team. You know, maybe that's the difference is they just didn't figure out that this line could get that kind of push on a sneak. So, hey, another weapon in the, in the book because that drive was not going well. Uh, if you remember, you know, they stalled and, and only got that first QB sneak yesterday because of uh, the, the penalty on fourth down on the throw. So, um, yeah, it's, it's – uh, yeah, it seems like seasons like this will have those kind of things. Oh, yeah, remember when Tommy DeVito got the three rushing touchdowns with negative yardage on the day and all that kind of stuff. There's always these things because you have a defense that's going to keep you in every game and allow things like that to happen. It seems to show that the that interior offensive line is gelling at this point in the season as well because as solid as the line has been the past few years for Illinois, there were question marks coming into this year. Definitely, definitely. And to, and to put up 34, I mean, some of that is because of the turnovers. They took advantage and put up points after turnovers. But to put up 34 on a pretty good, I mean, look, Washington State beat Wisconsin. It was 17-14. You know, to score 34 on top of what the defense was able to do, you know, that's, again, we're just going on and listing more and more things of like, how is this happening? What does it mean? What does it mean for the future? It's just hard to contextualize, you know, everything you're saying because there's so many different ways that this could now go. 
you know, this season. So it's it's really hard to to take everything and take a picture of what is happening and say, gosh, does this mean this? Does this mean this? You know, your brain just wanders to all those things. And the wide receiver play as well. Brian Hightower had a really big first half. Pat Bryant was silent, but then he had a big second half. Only five different receivers for DeVito yesterday, but the types of plays that those guys were making, one that comes to mind is Isaiah Williams on fourth down on that first drive coming mm -hmm. out of half. Mm -hmm. He was able to make a good move and then go outside. DeVito was able to find him. Good play design, good route running by Isaiah Williams. Is this receiver room better than we had anticipated it being coming into the year? I mean, I have to see what the Pat Bryant injury looks like. Sure. Um, you know, he did... Uh, you know, according to someone I talked to who was on that side, he came out of the medical tent and was jogging on the knee trying to move. So it sounds like it, it's somewhat of a minor kind of thing. But, you know, he's been a big piece of this. You know, we saw that early second half drive. That was a, look, they're keying on chase, they're keying on this. We do have this weapon here. Let's go to this weapon two, three times in a row. Uh, and that will change some things. And you're right about Brian Hightower. I mean, that's the that's kind of the revelation this year. He just didn't play last year, and no one knew what the deal was and everything else. If they also have that possession receiver, that hands guy who, okay, it's third and four. He's going to run a curl. The ball's going to be right there, thrown like a bullet. Got to grab it and muscle your way to the first down. Um, to have that guy, then they have the weapons. They have the slot guy. They have the outside guy. They got the possession guy. You know, that really helps the team and offense like this to, to, to move forward. All right, let's start looking at some of the, the macro things on, on this season now. So while we're recording this Sunday, comes out today, the AP poll, Illinois receiving votes. Mm -hmm. They line up at about 36th in the country. They had six votes total in the top 25. I don't know if that's necessarily surprising for us, but some of the historical context there, Kansas gets into the poll at number 19, which means Illinois now owns the Power Five's longest drought of not making it into the top 25. That could change soon, uh, but still an, an interesting little nugget mm -hmm. considering where Illinois is now because that could hurt so much more if you're not coming off that Wisconsin win. Agreed, agreed. And I'd kind of note, like my reaction to that is it's it's pretty amazing what Lance Leipold has done at Kansas the year and for them to be 5-0. and um, But if Kansas and Illinois played tomorrow, I feel like Illinois would be favored sure. by a decent amount because, you know, Kansas won this game because Iowa State, Iowa State kicker missed two kicks in the last five minutes where, you know, it, it, they're, they're living right. Let's just say that, you know, and it's led them to 5-0 and and they, yeah. it got them in the polls. Um, but my reaction to that is, yes, it's been since 2011. I mean, I believe, I haven't researched this, it's just coming off the top sure. of my head here. I believe the only other time Illinois has gotten votes in the poll was after the Michigan State game. And I only remember this because I tweeted at the time. One reporter in the AP poll put them 25th when they were 6-4. and four that way, And that was like the one vote Illinois got over a 10-year period of you like one, one guy put them 25th in one in You're one exactly poll. right on that. Yes. And so... So it's this, like, you know, it's been this thing that's hanging around the program. But really, to me, I mean, I, I don't like that as, a, as an Illinois fan. It's hard to know that that's a reminder of what the last decade has been, of, like, now you're the longest streak of all the Power Five teams. However, I think if I'm an Illinois fan, I feel a little better about the direction of the program than even maybe a Kansas fan of just this was a dominating win at Madison 
Um, you know, Kansas, yes, they beat West Virginia. West Virginia has fallen apart this season, and they might be a 2-10 and 10 kind of thing. You know, they beat Iowa State. They needed a little bit of field goal luck to do that in the last five minutes. Uh, what Illinois is doing is just uh, these kind of dominating wins, and that goes, you know, then the polls will take care of themselves if the program moves in that direction. Sticking with that, that macro over-the-top view, wild weekend for the Big Ten West. The team that it seemed like everyone thought was the best, Minnesota, Loses against Purdue. You have the Wisconsin loss. Nebraska gets their first win. Northwestern goes and loses at Penn State. Just, Robert, I asked you this last week, who the second best team in the Big Ten West was. Who's the best team in the Big Ten West now? I have no idea. I think it's still Minnesota if they get their tailback back. Uh, I think, you know, Tanner Morgan makes the difference there. He's been doing this for several years. You know, he's the sixth year senior or whatever. He's using his COVID year. You know, that's the kind of defining thing that puts Minnesota first. Um, and Iowa still has amazing defense. So, like, let's not forget that yeah. if they can figure something out with their offense, they're going to be really good. Um, but it might be Illinois. It could, yeah. It's just crazy. I'll, I'll give you a stat. I was just looking at this this afternoon because it's all I've been doing all day. <laughs> um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a stat in college football called success rate. And I guess just should probably explain it. So success rate looks at one thing. On first down, do you get 50% of the yards you need? So even if it's like first and 20, do you get at least 10 yards? On second down, do you get 70%? On third down, do you get 100%? So if it's third and one or it's third and 18, do you get that first down? It's just saying, are you having successful plays? Then there's a, there's a stat that just compares the two, your offensive success rate and your defensive success rate. Right now, Illinois is 14th nationally in that stat. Football is obviously a lot more than just moving the ball. Can't turn it over. You know, if you're, you can't miss field goals, you got to get touchdowns instead of stalling every drive and kicking field goals. There's a whole bunch that goes into it. But at the basics, people can under that stat, understand that stat because it's, can you move the ball up and down the field? And can you stop the other team from moving the ball up and down the field? Illinois' success rate is number one for defense right now in the nation, better than Alabama, better than Georgia, better than anything else. And it's getting more respectable on offense. When you have a, a thing like that, then it's like, wait, this is sustainable football for the year. You know, Kansas's success rate isn't anywhere close to that right now, even though they're 5-0. and All these other teams are winning, but they're not winning in a completely convincing fashion like this. And so that's the thing that has my brain spinning the most <laughs> of, you know, that they're playing like about a top 15 team right now is what that says. Doesn't mean, you know, look, we've seen the 94 season in Champaign. That team played like a top 15 team, and they lost five games by 22 points total. You know, it should have been a 10-1 season, and it was 6-5 and five just because this guy was stopped at the goal line, and they missed this field goal and all that kind of stuff. But in terms of moving the ball and stopping the ball, this team is playing, according to some of those statistics, in a like like one of the top 20 teams in the country. And if they continue this and they – 
you know, fix some of the issues on special teams and everything else, they have the potential to finish the season as one of the top 20 teams, which is insane to me to say. It's crazy. I hear myself saying those words and I'm standing, are you really saying that when someone is recording? But that's where this is at right now. Statistically, one of, if not the top defense in the country so far through five games, uh, and an offense that's improving and has a tailback who leads the nation in yards. It's, it's crazy. I was just mesmerized the entire time you were talking. About it. <laughs> I, I was learning something the whole time. So we've broken down the Wisconsin. There's still so much more to talk about the Wisconsin game, but we only have so much time. Mm -hmm. uh, looking ahead now to the next two weeks, Iowa and Minnesota at home before your next bye week, how important are these games now for you know, what maybe your perception would be of how far Illinois can go this season? Yeah, I mean, it's an opportunity with two home games to put yourself completely in the driver's seat in the Big Ten West. Um, you know, Saturday could not have gone any better for Illinois in that regard. As you mentioned, Minnesota losing. But also, you know, Michigan State kind of proving even further they're not what, you know, they were as high as ranked as number 11 this year. Yeah. They might be a losing, they might be like a five and seven team. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the crossover games that looked really difficult for Illinois. Well, now you have a Michigan State team coming in in November. That might, they might be, you know, three and six at the time or something like that. So, you know, the, the picture has started to change to where, oh, hold on a second. Uh, you know, I think all these games are, are winnable now. You can beat Iowa. Minnesota looked very mortal. Um, Purdue, that game is in Champaign. So when you have the three teams you probably need to beat, the three teams you have left in the uh, Big Ten West that are, that are probably contenders to that, and you have all of them coming into Champaign, that does set up for, yes, you can – I mean, again, crazy to say this. <laughs> this team could get to Indy. This team could – you know, and we compare that to your and my conversation standing on the field at Indiana yep. one month ago where we're just like, yep, same old thing, you know, got right there and then gave up the drive. Uh, it's, it's just insane to be talking about this a month later. Uh, yeah, I cannot believe the, the change in how people talk about this program just since that game. But things have gone exactly the way mm -hmm. that they needed to mm -hmm. since that game. And I, I think it's, uh, you know, credit to Brett Bielema and his staff and the players believing in that and it is exciting time to talk about Illinois football right now are you keeping your your weekend open in December or you could possibly go to Indy so I have my trip planned so there's a basketball game that's right. at Maryland Friday night and then a basketball game Tuesday in New York City for the Jimmy V Classic against Texas so I have a trip planned to all those places so maybe I'll have to go DC Indy New York City um, but uh, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to do it if that's what we have to do. Well, you get some subscribers well, well, we're, we're to, yes. help, to help you. Yes, there, there we go. There we go. Alanaboard.com. Yes. That's Robert right. Rosen. Right. Robert, again, thanks for your time as always. And I'm uh, looking forward to talking next Sunday after the Iowa game. Sounds good.